0: Lord, we praise you and thank you for the opportunity to stand in this sacred place and to preach your word. We ask you, O Lord, for something of which we're not worthy. We ask you for your presence and your glory to fill this house and to touch our hearts as we open our minds and our souls and spirits to what the Holy Ghost has to say to the church. Touch us, O Lord, with zeal and with passion and understanding for the Word of God today and help us to receive the message of the engrafted Word. And may we, O Lord, today sit at the table with our Savior and may we commune and fellowship with Him in divine order. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And everybody said amen. amen. Our God, the Bible said, is the King of all the earth. KNOW YE NOT THAT THE KING OF ALL THE EARTH WILL DO RIGHT." WHAT THAT MEANS IS THAT OUR CREATOR GOD IS ALWAYS IN THE BUSINESS OF DOING RIGHTEOUSNESS. HE IS ALWAYS FURTHERING THE CAUSE OF RIGHTEOUSNESS. IN FACT, HE SAID, I THE LORD LOVE RIGHTEOUSNESS. IN FACT, THE BIBLE CALLS HIM THE RIGHTEOUS LORD, THE RIGHTEOUS ONE the righteous Lord God creator God Yahweh the creator of all things and the creator of us all had a desire in his heart to fellowship with us in such a way that we could eternally bask in the presence of God and enjoy all of the blessings of prosperity and eternal life that God offered us but sadly enough we uh, floundered and we lost that position of, uh, favor and were driven from the garden and our ancestors, uh, did be disobedience and we lost that, that unique bond with God. Then there had to be then some form of governance, uh, over the people of the earth. And in Genesis chapter 12, when we changed from being a family into a nation, when God said to Abraham, Abram, he said go to a land that I will show you and the Bible said that he left and went to that land which we call the land of Canaan and then there came the great obstacle in the path of the children of God was to possess the possession you know a lot of people God gives you great things but you never possess the possession you've got to take what God gives you. And you've got to uh, walk in the faith that God uh, grants you. And you've got to be the people God wants you to be. God's will is that you take the land and land in the eyes of Israeli people is uttermost. It's, it's at the top of the ladder among things they desire. They cherish their land because, number one, it was given to them by God given to them by God. It was given to them as a a blessing. It was given to them as a purpose and a plan that God had for Abraham and his descendants. And God elected in his wise wisdom and providence that they would be a people for him that would be a blessing and would be a uh, source of goodness for all the earth. In fact, the Bible said, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. The Bible called Abraham the father of all the faithful. The father of all the faithful. And walked in such a way with God that the Bible called him the friend of God. Well, wouldn't it be good if you could walk with God in such a way that you would be God's friend? Amen. That's a delightful thing to think about, isn't it? Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 14 through 20, talks about a a special uh, incidence in that relationship that we have with God and with governance. How many of you know who the first king of Israel was? Very quiet about it. It was Saul, not David. You're tempted to say David, and I understand that because he's probably the most popular, but he's not the first king of Israel. In fact, God granted the people their wishes again. There and again, they got it wrong. And it lets us know that the popular choice is not always the wisest choice. For instead of acting like a true Hebrew, Saul acted like a genuine Gentile. And he felt like just get armies together and get swords and get spears and chariots and uh, acquire horses and let's just uh, go out here on the gridiron and nose to nose and we'll just see who's man enough to walk away from this little encounter. That was Saul's idea. Let's fight about it. And David was one of the sweet singers of Israel. Praise the Lord. But he was also a man that fought a lot of battles when it was forced upon him, when he had to fight for Israel to survive. Israel has been fighting for survival since God gave them uh, nation status. Brother, they've been fighting ever since, and it's all over land. Every time, it's all over land. And even during the Six Days War, when land was at the heart of the matter, it was God who gave them the Word that helped them get to the uh, end line and, and win that battle in deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 14 when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God shall give thee and shall possess it and shall dwell therein and shalt say I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose one from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, that's prepare for war, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, nor give people, I wish I'd never done this attitude. Wish I'd have stayed put where we were. We were better off down in Egypt than we are out here trying to, Serve the Lord and possess this possession. and so said, don't let the people sink into the dismal pessimism of where they are. To the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way. Quit talking about Egypt. We're not going that way. Quit talking about the blessings that you enjoyed in Egypt, the melons and the onions and the garlic and the seasoning that you put in your food. Quit talking about that because you're never going back to that. Egypt symbolizes what? Sin and disobedience. What is God saying to people who are saved? You're not going back that way. You missed a good place to say praise the Lord, amen. Thank you, Jesus. That I'm not going back that way yes I have made it uh, from Egypt's bondage yes I've been set free by the grace of God yes I've been led out of the bondage and the slavery and all of that and I'm not going that way again I'm not going back that way I might as well quit talking about it I might as well quit quit uh, uh, conversing and carrying on about it because that's not a possibility I'm not doing that again Praise God. Is there anybody in their, this house that's made up your mind you're not going back? We used to sing a song, I will never turn back. He's my light every day, I will never turn back. For my Savior is leading the way. Hey, brother, never turn back. Never turn back. Neither shall ye multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away neither shall he greatly multiply unto himself silver and gold. What's he talking about? Things of this life and things of this world that will get your attention and pull you away from the commandment of the Lord. Amen. Amen. In other words, you're called to be a king. God has appointed you to be a king. You've been anointed, been prayed over. Amen. Now be a king and act like a king. Amen. Amen and quit letting these these pig trails and these rabbit holes and all of this side attractions get your attention off of being what god wants you to be oh i wish the church of jesus christ could hear that message today and quit chasing rat, uh, rabbit holes and quit wondering what this would be like and what that would be like hey we're not going that way we're going this way we're not going that way forget those things amen And set your affection upon things that are above and things that are on high and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites and it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes and do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment, to the right hand nor to the left, to the end, that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now that's a strange verse there about how that he is to take a book And he's to write the law of God in that book. And that book is to be his constant companion from then on. Amen. That the longest day he is king, he is to have that book in his possession. And in that book, he is to write the law of God. Write the law of God, the Torah, what God's commandments are. It's the moral law of God. It's Full of you know how it goes. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet. You know know the whole, uh, what we call the Decalogue. Deca meaning ten, the ten commandments we would call them. The Decalogue. It's all a part of the moral law of God. And what he is saying to the king is don't lead Israel in an immoral way. They're my people. They're a purchased possession. They belong to me. They're the apple of my eye. Amen. They are a people that I am conditioning and shaping and forming to be the bride of my son. Whoo! Somebody ought to be hollering hallelujah. I'm shaping them and I'm I'm forming them into being what I want them to be. And he said, "Here is." A, a law, I want you to keep this book with you always. And I want you to always take it out daily and read what it says. And what that says to every one of us is that we need to have God's Word written in the tables of our heart. And uh, well, you know the Bible tells us, I, I have put in thy Word in my heart, O oh God, that I might not sin against you and uh, other passages talk about how the word of God makes it into our heart we have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto us so the heart and doctrine and word and law of God are all connected in that they belong in your heart they belong in your heart put them in your heart and the Bible said man looks upon the outward appearance but God Well, why does God just skip the whole thing of what color dress you got on? Why does God just skip the whole thing of how you're dressed and how you look and all that? Why does He go straight to your heart? Because the heart is the center of our emotions. It's where passion is. It's where feeling is. It's where energy is. It's where we really the real us communicates with a God when we worship Him. In that day that you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Amen. Amen. God knows, the Bible said, our hearts. When those uh, Sadducees and Pharisees and people in the Sanhedrin were standing uh, around Him, the Bible said, and Jesus spoke to them because He knew what was in their heart. Amen. Knew what was in their heart. So, Today, I don't have anything to hide from him because I couldn't hide it if I wanted to. And he knows my heart. He knows why I'm here today. He knows why I'm preaching today. He knows why I brought this Bible to this pulpit to preach today. He knows all about what's in my heart. He knows my desires of my heart. He said, when you pray, whatsoever things you desire in your heart, when you pray, believe, and you will have them. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Wow, there's so much about our heart. God wants us to be so heart-oriented and heart-based that we worship and serve and pray. All of those things in our hearts as unto the Lord. Making melody in our heart as unto the Lord. Isn't that fantastic? The Lord instructed Moses, he said, when that king is sitting there, make sure he gets a copy of this. It's a copy, he said. Take a copy and it becomes his own possession. And he's to observe everything that is in that. Now, all of that comes into fulfillment with the choice of the first king of Israel who is Saul. And the Bible, I told you, he was a pretty good Gentile representation of a king because he was kind of focused on self and his own ability. The Bible said, in fact, he was such stature that he stood head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. He was a big guy. Yeah. And the Bible said that the Lord changed his heart. But he was out chasing some donkeys that belonged to his father when the Lord found him. And the Lord found him and turned him around and got him to to becoming a worshiper. And the Bible said when he appeared to his colleagues and the other other shepherds and herdsmen, the Bible said, Surely the hand of the Lord hath touched the heart of Saul. Something has happened in his life. Something's changed about him. Hey, are you one of those people that believe that things change when people get saved? Are you one of those kind of folks that believes that when folks get saved, they quit their rat-killing ways? Are, Are you one of them? Are you some of those folks that believe you can tell a difference in people's lives when they get saved, that they quit doing wrong things and going to wrong places, they quit talking wrong things, and they start getting things right and start serving the Lord and walking in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Is that the kind of person you are? You believe salvation makes a difference in the way you live? I still believe that, and I still preach that. Amen. Surely the hand of the Lord has touched the heart of Saul. And they noticed that about him, but progressively he grew into a situation where it was more about him than it was about God's help and God's aid. And he became so familiar with sacred things that he lost his respect for sacred things. What? There it opened up a can of worms, didn't it? I think Pentecostal folks have got so used to being around the Holy Spirit that it doesn't excite them anymore. It doesn't move them anymore. They don't have that hunger and that thirst after righteousness. They've been around it. They've become so familiar with it and so familiar with a move of God that it's nothing special anymore. Come on, somebody. See, you can get to the place that you become so familiar with sacred things that it loses its sacredness to you. Amen. I want to tell you, you must never take for granted the blessings of God. You must never take for granted the presence of Almighty God. You must never take for granted that it's always going to be available. If I wanted, it, I can do I had one music minister one time to tell me this, and I'm not going to tell you any names, but he told me anytime I want to work something up, I can just work it up. Brother, I don't want a worked up shout. I don't want a worked up worship. I want you to obey the Lord, and when the Holy Spirit does it, I'd rather he do it than some professional did it, that somebody worked it up. Now, that offends me. I said, that offends me. I hate that people can be fooled that they don't recognize a real move of God as opposed to something somebody worked up. Hmm, I could preach a whole sermon right there, but just don't you ever take the Holy Ghost for granted. And don't you ever get so familiar with things we do in the Spirit that you think you can do them in the flesh and get by with it. Hey, you can't. There's somebody that keeps a record. And he knows our hearts and he knows whether you're in the flesh and just doing that because it was worked up or whether you're doing it because the Holy Ghost is actually moving in your heart. I don't want a kind of religion that's worked up or structured or put together some way. I want a real, genuine move of the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I want. And I know it's available to people that seek Him and people that love Him and people that serve Him. They know how to worship in such a way that the Spirit of God will move in their lives and move in our church services. Amen. Amen. And amen and amen. Amen. Praise God. So the Bible said that Saul, it came time for the evening sacrifice. And Samuel had a trait about him that Irwin's have, Don says. They're usually right at the last minute or maybe five or ten minutes late. (laughs) And Samuel, bless his heart, I don't know, he must have had that, but he was running late for the evening sacrifice. And Saul came, and he was there, and it offended him that he was having to wait on the preacher. Yeah, having to wait on the preacher, and it made him mad. And he said, Is not a king greater than a prophet? Sure he is. King's the king. He can do whatever he wants to do because he is the king. Brother, when you step outside your anointing and you assume someone else's anointing, and God says that's not the way we do this, Kings don't offer sacrifices. I've got priests and I've got prophets that I've ordained to do that, and you're stepping outside your anointing. Come on, somebody. Brother, leadership has to operate within the confines of the anointing. What God gifts and talents and abilities, he also gives anointing and enablement to do those things that he purposed for you to do. And God said, you're a king. You be a king. You're anointed to be a king. You're selected and called to be a king. Be a king. But don't assume someone else is anointing. Their anointing is their anointing. Their gifts are their gifts. Their abilities are their abilities. Don't you assume what God intended for them. Come on, somebody. And you say, well, that wasn't very serious, my Lord. Somebody ought to have started. It got time for church. Somebody ought to start. Well, it was such a serious thing that God said to Samuel, woke him up, said, Samuel, I need you to go tell Saul a message. He said, well, I hope it's a good one, God. I sure don't want to be a bearer of bad news. God said, you go tell him that I have rejected him. Ooh. Wow. Preacher I had preached for me one time, Brother Don, he preached on don't let God lay you off. <laughs> don't you look at me like that. Now you know what I'm talking about. Don't let God lay you off. God said to Saul, Saul, I'm laying you off. Why? Because you don't know who you are and you don't know what your anointing is. You don't know the word. And you felt like you were up here and everybody else down here and you could do anything you wanted to. Hey, I want to tell you, Saul, you are rejected. You go tell him he is rejected and you go over to Jesse's house. There is one over there that you're to anoint as king of Israel. And he will be the rightful king. And the Bible said Samuel got ready to go over to Jesse's house. And Jesse had sons, and they were all at the house all there waiting to see, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Well, they went through 11 of them. I think the oldest one's name was Eliam, and the next one was Abimelech, and the next one was Shammah. I love the way the Holy Ghost says things sometimes. When he brought uh, Eliam by, Eliam came by, and Samuel said, Lord, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Now, don't go figuring God out don't go telling god which one he's supposed to choose don't go running his business for him surely the lord's anointed is before me he's the firstborn and we know god you've got a little bit of a favorite thing about you with firstborns so it's just obvious the firstborn is going to be your choice and so surely the lord's anointed we'll get this done in a hurry AND THE LORD SAID TO SAMUEL, THE LORD HATH NOT CHOSEN THIS. DID YOU NOTICE THAT WORDING? HE'S A WHO, HE'S NOT A THIS. THE LORD DIDN'T EVEN CALL HIM A WHO. THE LORD CALLED HIM A THIS. WELL, ELIAM, I'M SORRY, BUDDY, BUT YOU DIDN'T WIN THE CONTEST. ABINADAB, RIGHT UP HERE. We got it this time, I'm sure. If God didn't want the first one, I'm sure he's going to take the second one. To be king of Israel. Lord, is this the one? And the Lord said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Brother, I imagine it's about as quiet as it is in here right now. When the Lord said, not him either. Well, it's got to be Shammah then, not Shammah. Boy, went through the whole list of the family and got down and there, there was nobody else to call up. And Samuel looked over and he said, Jesse, have you not got any more sons? Well, he said, I've got one. But he's skinny and scrawny. He's about 17 years old, red-headed, freckle-faced. I called him. Don't be culling people when God is trying to find a king. Don't get in God's way when God is about to anoint a king. And he said, well, where is this 17-year-old ant? Where is he? Said, oh, he's out in the field. He's tending sheep. Usually, when God wants to promote somebody, it's not somebody hanging around the house waiting on a promotion, it's usually the one that's in the field doing the work. Sorry, that just (laughs) slipped out. Said, send somebody out there to fetch him. I like that word. The Holy Ghost used the word fetch. Go fetch him. And the Bible said when a, when a servant went to, to get him and he got close enough to him, I, I imagine he could hear some songs, brother Randy. He probably heard day unto day uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Whew. What is that? That was uh, singing like you'd hear back in them days. It's called Psalms. I imagine when you got close enough, you could hear that 17 year old sing. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within thee. Blessed be his holy name. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. I imagine when you got a little bit closer, you'd probably hear some stones bouncing off of targets out there. Say, young man, what are you doing with that sling and slinging those stones? One of these days, God's going to need a slingshot. And when he gets ready, I'm going to be ready too. Amen. Praise God. I'm about to shout up here. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a lot better than y'all shouting again. <laughs> going to have to up your shouting a little bit. Wow. David said, he hath taken me from among the sheep coat and hath made me a king. Brother, when he got back to the house and Samuel was standing there with his... Bottle of oil, and the Bible said it it was a hen, a H I N of oil, that's six quarts, gallon and a half. And you get offended when I dab a little bit on your forehead. You mess up my makeup, Brother Jim. How would you like to have a gallon and a half poured over your head? And it runs. All over you and all over your garments, and the Bible said, puddled up in the floor. And the Bible said, and God spoke to Samuel and said, Arise and anoint. This is he. You mean God chose you mean God is that specific about what He what He does and how He works? My Lord. He says to David he said David said if you'll serve me if you'll keep my commandments if you'll do what's right in the sight of God if you'll walk up rightly if you'll be who you're anointed to be and if you'll do the purpose and the plan of God then I will always have a have a covenant with you and your family there will always be a member of the Davidic line on the throne in Israel forever Something about the name Jesus. Brother, when Jesus gets blessed, he starts making covenants. When God gets blessed and worshiped, he starts making promises. If you're going to serve me, when Jacob woke up that morning after dreaming about that ladder, he said, the Lord has been in this place and I knew it not. Lord, I'm going to go and I'm going to serve you and I tell you what, from now on the 10th of my increase, I will give to you and I'm going to bless you with all, of the, all the things you've blessed me with. And God said, well then Jacob, if you're going to do all of that, let me make you a promise. Amen. As I promised Abraham... So will I make unto you the promise of Abraham. I'm going to pass it right down to you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the promises of God are yea and amen? And that when we bless him and praise him and worship him and live for him, that he pours out blessings that there shall not be room enough for us to receive, that he blesses us with all spiritual blessings. Oh, what a great God he is. And he said david there will always be a member of your family oh yes don't forget the book don't forget the book which book is that god it's the book that belongs to kings every king gets a copy of it and you read it and you live by it And you don't ever forget it and don't you ever violate that book of the commandments of god and if you'll keep those commandments and you'll walk in my statutes all the days of your life he said then i'll bless you like no man has ever been blessed i'll be with you like no man has ever been been with anybody i'll fight your battles i'll stand by you and strengthen you i'll uphold you I'll encourage and I'll give you grace and I'll, I'll, I'll lead you and guide you by my power if you'll just keep what's in that book. Read that book and make sure you keep that book. Oh, if I could say anything to the church of God today, I'd say, remember that book. Don't ever do anything to spite that book. Don't ever walk outside the pages of that book and keep it with you. Treasure it. Treasure it because it's a covenant between you and God. I wish I could tell you that David kept his end to that. But my Lord, we know about his sins and how he shamefully and reproachfully did wrong and even murdered a man to cover up his sin. those lament psalms oh God restore unto me the joy of thy salvation for my sin is ever before me when I lay down at night I say when will this night be gone and I am full of tossings and fro to and fro unto the dawning of the day oh Lord touch my heart, touch my life, heal my soul. And you know what? The wonderful thing about our God is he heard him. Heard him. And David said this, and he delivered me. He delivered me out of all of my trouble all of my trouble. You see, I write these things unto you. It's in that book. Don't sin. Don't be reproachful. Don't be shameful. But if any man does sin, he has an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if we confess our sin, He is faithful and He's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, Olivia, and help me quit. Let's see if you can put... Psalm 11 up there for me, please. Psalm 11. It's got some powerful stuff in it, and then I'll be closed. Psalm 11, verse 1. In the Lord do I put my trust, How say ye to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. That's kind of another way of saying, Why art thou thou so vexed, O my soul? Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, for then I would just fly away and be at rest. That's the same thing in a different tone. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. Boy, what's going on here? We've got a king writing a psalm, one of the many songs that he wrote. And he's singing about a a very tense moment when his life and his whole being is in jeopardy. And he says, why is it in my mind to just run away? Just run away. Why is it in my heart to just run away? You know, the devil will always try to intimidate you with a situation to make you run away. To make you run away. He'll try to make something look like it's catastrophic and you'll never recover from it. That all hope is gone. You're done. You're finished. It's over. And you're wiped out. You see, the one thing the devil wants to do is knock you out. He wants you to foul out, fizzle out, flunk out, Whatever he has to do, he just wants you out. Because as long as you're in, you're a threat to him. And his main goal is take you out. Destroy your faith and cause you to run. When Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, over in Nehemiah, there was a very wicked man that tried to get Nehemiah to run and and. and Go back to the temple and hide in the temple. Get off the wall. Stop the work. Stop rebuilding the wall and run to the temple and hide from the enemy. And Nehemiah said, Why should a man like me run? Why should a man like me run? What do I need to be running from? The Lord is my help the lord is my strength the lord hallelujah is my stronghold you're telling me i need to run that i need to hunt somewhere to hide from the enemy why would a man like me run oh i need to ask some of you why would a person like you run off somewhere Why would you think you're so intimidated you need to find a hole in the ground somewhere to run hide? Why would a woman like you hide? You got the Word of God in you. You got faith in you. You got courage in you. You've got determination in you. You've got hope in you. Why would you run? The devil will try to get you to do something stupid to get you out but you tell him what a liar he is and you tell him you're not falling for those schemes and those devices put your string of your bow and put your arrow in your bow and draw it back all you want to the Bible said for me to put on the helmet of salvation and put on the breastplate of righteousness that I would be able to quench the fiery darts that Satan would send against me. Praise God, I want to tell you, you're a winner, not a loser. You're above and not beneath. You're ahead and not behind. Praise God, you're an overcomer. You're a victor, not a victim. I said, you're a victor, not a victim. Glory to God. Amen run me some more of it up there. We're getting a big shouting point right here in just a minute if the foundations Be destroyed What can the righteous do? Brother we're living in a time when the foundations are being attacked everywhere We're being assaulted on every side the Christian faith is being bombarded now. Atheists are rejoicing and having a party right now and writing articles and periodicals. I read one this morning. Are we seeing the beginning of the death of Christianity in North America? Are we seeing the first activity of the abandonment of the Christian faith? Brother, you can find those articles all over the place. Newsweek's even got them. Everybody is trying to ride off the church that we're not faithful enough, we're not strong enough and don't believe what we preach enough to withstand crumbling foundations. You know what's wrong with crumbling foundations? It means everything you've built on them is about to fall down. I want the devil and all of his imps to know It's taken me decades to build what I've built between me and God. And I'm not about to let any assault on the foundation. My anchor holds. I said, my anchor holds. That rock is Jesus. I said, that rock is Jesus. And Jesus never fails. I said, Jesus never fails. That rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. And Jesus never fails. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Number one, trust in God. Number two, you ready for this? Stand, having done all to stand. Can therefore be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Mm. Third thing you can do is be ready. Be prayed up. Be spiritually ready. Praise God, you can handle anything the devil throws at you if you're ready. I said, if you're ready. If you're ready when the devil would threaten Paul with his life. Agabus, the prophet, came over and he said, the man whose garment this is, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and is telling me to tell you that when you get to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound and you're going to be beaten because of the gospel you preach. How would you like for somebody under the influence of the Holy Ghost to prophesy to you and tell you, you're fixing to be persecuted and beaten locked up put in prison and do you know how paul handled that listen to what he said he said agabus i'm sure you're a prophet of god and the holy ghost certainly is telling you to tell me that but he said i need to respond in this way i am willing not only to be bound but also i'm willing to die bound, not only to be locked in prison, not only to have my back beaten to a bloody pulp, not only to be beaten in my face till you'd hardly recognize who I am. I'm willing not only to be beaten, but I'm willing also to die that the will of the Lord might be done. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if we could ever get to that point that we're ready to face whatever. You know, he didn't even have to think about that. You know, when Peter and John was arrested for street preaching, Virginia, they had little enough sense to think they could get somebody saved on the street corner. And they were standing down on the street corner preaching. And some of the devil's imps came by and arrested them and carried them over to the magistrates and said, we arrested these men because they were speaking against Israel, speaking against the temple, speaking against the, the leaders of our, our country prophesying in this uh, Galilean's name Jesus and they said well have you got anything to say for yourselves guys they said no we don't really hesitate about it we've already got it figured out we're ready our has already been mitigated we've already worked this out and said the answer is this we have purposed in our hearts that it's better to obey God than it is to obey man. So arrest us if you want to. Put us in jail if you want to. Do whatever. Our answer is not going to change because we're prepared. We're ready for this moment. We knew it was coming, and we prepared for it. Here's the answer. We're going to obey God. And the bible said that it spread no further they straightly threatened them that they should preach no more in this name and john said as sure as you let us loose if you just unlock that door take these cuffs off i'll be on my way to that same street corner where you found me just a while ago the church of jesus christ decides that those are their answers that that's the way they'll respond to the own salt to the world and the jeering and the and the snickering get ready for it you're going to be made fun of you're going to be called ignorant you're going to be called old fogey you're going to be called all kind of names get ready get ready call me any name you want to call me call me fundamental Uh, call me all, all of those names that you think are insulting to me I'm ready for it. None of these things move me. Right. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God. <laughs> Hallelujah! Amen. Blessed be his name. If the foundations be broken up and destroyed, what are we going to do? Going to keep on going to trust God. We're going to be prepared and be ready. Be prayed up. Amen. And ready to give an answer. Ready to give an answer. I drove by a church this morning that usually has the place filled to capacity. Cars parked everywhere. There were six cars there today when I came by. Churches going out of business everywhere. Don told me one Uh, A week or so ago, church split. We're in a terrible day, and the devil is pitting brother against brother, church against church, all of that kind of stuff. Get ready. I said, get ready for that. Get ready for that. But there is nothing that we can't accomplish if we stay together and we love one another And we make Jesus Lord of everything that we do. Everything that we do. Stand with me, please. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. cross before me no turning back no turning back though all forsake him I still will follow though all forsake him I still will follow though all forsake him I still will follow no turning back no turning back is that your attitude today did you give God some of the best praise you've got hallelujah hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus blessed be your righteous name Holy Father we bless you and we praise you and we give you honor and we give you glory